Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Can you turn to John chapter 5? Today we're doing the gospel according to St. John. It's going to be fun. All right, chapter 9. And uh, yeah, the Lord's got some really, really good things to say to us in His Word this morning. Are you ready? Happy? You enjoy the worship this morning? Yeah? For, for some of you, 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 you were wondering, because I can see that look in your eye. You know, like, have the musicians forgotten the words? Like they're just playing and they're just like staring or just closing their eyes like, don't look at me. Or so like, No, the scriptures say that we should sing a new song to the Lord. Okay? Also, the scriptures say that we should prophesy with our instruments. And so there are times when actually we, we deliberately move off and from the script, so to speak. Actually, it is part of the script. But we, we move away from pre-learned lyrics. So we can actually have space to sing a different song, a new song. And so the Holy Spirit, because He's creative... Because the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, this would mean yes. Okay, and He's creative. And so, just like our fingerprints are, are unique, the sunrise is different, unique every morning. The sunset is unique and different. So God is constantly showing off His creativity. And we're made in His image. So he's put creativity inside of us. So we need to create spaces and opportunities for us to express that creativity in our worship. So sometimes the musicians, they deliberately pull back to give us, the rest of us, opportunity for us to make up our own words. And allow the Holy Spirit to just, you know, help us along. This is, a, this is good. Yay. So I just want to encourage us, when we have those opportunities, don't pull back. I want you to step forward, step into it. If you've never done it before, try. What's the worst that can happen? A few dogs in the neighborhood can start howling. So what? Doesn't matter. Just go for it. Yeah? Because the only way we're going to get good at things is if we try. Yeah, so we actually just need to be on the, on the side of being intentional about it. And allowing the Holy Spirit to give us fresh things to sing. Sing in the Spirit, sing with our mind. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we sing in tongues, we sing in the Spirit. Must I do my Jedi tricks on you guys again? Okay, this is who we are. All right, so we want to create space and opportunity for us to do as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14. I'll pray with my mind and I'll pray in the Spirit. I will sing with my mind. I will sing with the Spirit. Yeah. Fantastic. But that's not my message this morning. My message this morning is John chapter 9. Did you get it? Okay, well then I'm done. Okay, let's enlarge a little bit. Starting at the first verse. Speaking about Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's a strange question. We'll come back to it. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Oof. That's amazing. As we're looking at what's going on in the world right now, there's a lot of sin, there's a lot of destruction, there's a lot of pain. And there's a war going on. 
right? And in all of this, there are believers on both sides of the conflict. This is not easy for us to reconcile, comprehend. Fortunately, God is God. He's bigger than us, and He has the ability to love people on both sides of the conflict. True? True. Hey, we need to have something of the heart of God that we can love people on both sides of the conflict. Am I stretching you? Hmm. Against the backdrop of all of the darkness and all of the pain and all of the chaos and all of the sin, God's glory is going to break in. So Lord, this blind guy, what's the cause of it? Jesus is actually more interested in the glory of God being revealed in the middle of pain, darkness, chaos. Wow, what a perspective. We can be so caught up in trying to apportion blame. Who should be sorted out this way or that way? God's more interested in His glory being revealed in all kinds of situations. And we heard many testimonies of just the most amazing, miraculous God interventions during this time of war. Yes, it's terrible. But we also are hearing the most astounding testimonies of God coming through. His glory in the middle of all of that chaos and pain, His glory is being seen. That's amazing, yeah? All right, God is way bigger than, than us and our perspective. Verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Who must do the work? We must do the work. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is speaking, and He's the light of the world. He's going to say that in a moment. And so he's saying, listen, this is night. In all of this darkness, there's work to be done. All right? And we must be a part of that work. It's not just, oh, God must do the work. He's talking to his followers. Any followers of Jesus in the room? Okay. He's saying we must do the work. This is really powerful because this is an, in, an invitation to partner with him to actually do what he's doing on the planet. See, some people unfortunately th came to wrong conclusions about the scriptures and they thought uh, the miraculous was only to take place in the first century and then after Jesus, that's it, no more. After the first century, the, the, first of the, apostles, the first century and the apostles died out, then we don't have miracles, we don't have healings, we don't have any of this stuff anymore. That's a misunderstanding of the we aspect to our walking out the kingdom here on the planet. Mm. So as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus later on said, you are the light of the world. Kind of like, how is that? Well, he's in us. He is the light and the light is in us. So now we become light in this world. So we salt and we light. And because we go into darkness, we go into places of confusion, anxiety, pain, all this difficulty and horror, we reveal the light and it shines brightly against the backdrop of the darkness. So this chaos that's going on at the moment, it's a perfect season 
for people to come to the light. Hmm? When you've lost your way, you're out in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere, and then you see a light, what do you do? Instinctively, if you're looking for help, you go to the light. Yay! This is a great opportunity with all of this crisis for people to go to the light. This is not the devil winning. This is God revealing his mercy, his grace, his salvation through light being revealed against the backdrop of all of the chaos and the darkness. Yay! So we've seen the kingdom advance powerfully over the last two years of darkness. I'm not talking about Eskim, I'm talking about... That's a whole other crisis we can get to still talk about. So we've had, we've had the COVID crisis, unfortunately, I think it was about 26 days ago that ended. So that we go to the next crisis. I mean, if you watch the news, then you know, like... About 26 days, are we about 26 days into the war? 26 days in the war. So we've got another crisis and the previous crisis is over. I don't know, I'm just observing what, what, I'm not observing, I'm stirring. <laughs> Hallelujah, in America you don't have to fly with a mask on anymore. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. In the UK, if you've got the, the dreaded lurgy, you, you don't even have to stay at home. That's how far it's shifted just in the matter of weeks. No more lockdowns, no more self-isolation, no more testing. You don't even need a shot in the arm. Totally changed in a matter of weeks. Isn't this astounding? Hmm? I mean, for those of who had to fly, you've observed this is absolute, you know, like defying logic. Like we all keep our social distancing. Yeah, and then you go through, through security and all the rest of it and you've got, you know, spray your hands and put a mask on and keep distance from the person in front of you and then you all head to the restaurant and then you can sit down and, and when you sit down you can take your mask off because everyone knows that COVID sort of only goes at this height and when you sit down you're below the height of COVID so then you can't catch COVID so when you sit down at a restaurant you can take your mask off but then when you get back up again and you're going to put your mask on because now you're getting because COVID's at that level and you keep your social distancing, but COVID, I'm telling you, it is so clever, so, so clever, because you keep your distance, you know, like a meter and a half, whatever, but when you get inside an airplane, you can sit like shoulder to shoulder with somebody, yeah, and, and just like that, as long as you've got a bottle of water in front of you, you can take your mask off. It's amazing. Water frightens COVID. You just hold a bottle of water and COVID just cannot come anywhere near you. It's amazing, yeah? But if your water's finished, beware. Be afraid, yeah? Some people have tried with an empty bottle. They've sat there with an empty bottle all flight long. Yeah, but the attendants are clever. They'll catch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get up in your rows and then you must distance again. Mm. You guys distract me, you know, you must be careful. Okay. So we've had one crisis for two years. Apparently that thing is now coming into a different perspective. We have another crisis, been going for 26 days. And that's all the news is carrying, is that crisis. And it's a terrible thing, and it will affect us. Make no mistake, it will affect us. The petrol pump, 
price of wheat gone up drastically. So the bread's going to go up. Those catching taxis to and from work, that's going to go up. Delivery of food to stores, that's going to go up. Inflation's going to kick up into all sorts of new levels. Make no mistake, we are going to feel the consequences. Ukraine is the world's largest producer of palladium. Palladium is used in the manufacture of semiconductors and chips. So your phone, your car, your appliances, uh, they're going to run out of palladium pretty soon. Oh, because the other country that is the world's number one manufacturer of chips and semiconductors is Taiwan, and that's next on the agenda. So we are going to feel on the planet the massive impact even here in sunny South Africa. We're going to feel the impact of it. So I'm not trying to make light of, of the difficulty and, and all the rest of it. But it's amazing how quickly, because we're being fed a diet of fear, how we can become afraid for something that is far, far away. I'm not saying we should not have concern for them, and we took time to pray for the people there. But you understand what's going on? There's, there's prayer, and then there's inviting anxiety to come and rest on you. That's not yours to carry. Does it make sense? So there's always a crisis. Let me just prophesy. There'll be another crisis in a couple more months. And there'll be another crisis next year. And then we'll crisis the year after that. And then after that, a few more crises. What's the point? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay? So there's going to be chaos. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be this darkness. But let's be looking to see his light breaking through into the darkness. If he's overcome and we are in him, what does that make us? Overcomers. Okay, so we've used this analogy before. When we watch a replay of our favorite sports team and we know the end result of the match, even before we watch, even if we're losing at half time, we still are relaxed because we know the final outcome. We know that we've won the game. We're just watching the replay, so to speak. Well, Jesus is so confident of the outcome, he wrote a book. And at the back, he even tells us who wins. He's that confident he's put it in black and white. So we know the final outcome, so we can be at peace because we are in Him and we know how this is going to turn out. This would be a good time to nod your head and say, yes, amen. Okay, I agree, it's going to turn out okay. But we're in this journey between where we are now and how it's going to end. And so we're navigating through all these difficulties and all these crises. And we need to be in a place of peace as we are in Him. But also, he is the light of the world and he is in us. So we, therefore, are bearers or carriers of light. So we're looking for opportunities to bring light into difficult and dark situations. All right. God's not afraid of a crisis. He doesn't fall off his throne. He doesn't call you know, the angels just to give him a bit of help and advice and like, woo, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping here, you know, like, whoa, how's it going to work out? Chewing his fingernails. No, 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 no. No, he's absolutely secure. He's the all-powerful one, omnipotent. Okay. It's amazing what you can get out of half a verse. Smile, man, it's going to be okay. So now here, here's when, when Jesus begins to demonstrate physically 
what he's just spoken out spiritually. He's just spoken out. He says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Emmanuel, God with us, said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. So is he in the world? This would be yes. All right. Is he still in the world? In and by the Spirit, he's still in the world. So his light is still shining in the world. Okay. So, from proclaiming a spiritual truth, he now begins to demonstrate something in the natural, the physical. Verse 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Clearly, this is not COVID compliant. <laughs> Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And the word Siloam, this word means sent. Jesus is busy working all of these things to communicate a very intentional message. See, God, he speaks to us through names and through places through all of these things, God is not just, you know, haphazard. God is very intentional in grabbing hold of our attention that we might discover the fullness of truth. It's amazing. So he goes to this pool called Scent. Now, as us being sent ones, we are an apostolic and a prophetic company of people. So the family of Breakthrough... I didn't say we apostles and prophets. I said we are apostolic and prophetic. Meaning, apostolic means to be sent. We sent. Yeah? We don't just come here on a Sunday so we can sit down and have a nice little you know, chin wag. Have a little bit of warm fellowship. And then head on and do our own thing. No, no. Our real spiritual walk happens Monday through Saturday. And we come on Sundays and we gather to be encouraged and strengthened and there's a, an equipping that takes place. But the real spiritual journey is not Sunday morning. The real spiritual journey is Monday morning. Because we sent into the world. That's being apostolic. Apostolic. Apostolic means to be sent. And prophetic means we hear his voice and we communicate what he's communicating. My sheep hear my voice, which means all of us hear his voice. All the sheep in the room go, bah. you see? So my sheep hear my voice and on the day of Pentecost, in fulfillment the prophetic word through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not some flesh, all flesh. So if you've got flesh on, all right, and you will prophesy, you'll have dreams, there'll be visions. It's amazing. So therefore we are prophetic, we can hear what he's saying, and we're apostolic. We go with a message to tell others. All right? Okay. So the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. What was going on here? I mean, the guy had been begging. I mean, this is weird. He's blind, but he's begging for arms. And he's been begging from his neighbors and all these people all this time. And then now they can't recognize him. Is it because there's been such a radical shift and a change through the healing? That he's, it's not just that he can see, but his whole countenance has changed. Is there something that's been lifted off him? Probably so as we get further into this passage. 
But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You see, the Holy Spirit inspiring John to write records these things that we might have a better understanding as to what's going on. The problem, as we're going to see just now, is that the Pharisees were so caught up in their religious observance and their duties and their rules and their regulations that they misunderstood that it was Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, who was actually there. They were so focused on the rule-keeping through human effort trying to be perfect. Acceptable, holy. But they couldn't. But in all of this, in trying to create rules and regulations about observing the Sabbath, they came up with this really ridiculous thing. You see, because you, of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath, thou shalt not work. Mm hmm. Plowing the fields was work. And plowing the fields was softening the ground. Now when you spit, you soften the ground. So spitting into the ground is the same as plowing the ground, which is the same as work. So you may not spit on the Sabbath because that's work. It's ridiculous to us, but it made sense to them. Right? Because they wanted to, they had this extra group of rules all around the Ten Commandments, hoping that if this acted as some kind of a buffer zone, because it, they felt that if the people of God, all of them, could keep all of the Ten Commandments perfectly, then the Messiah would come. So they had fervent religious zeal to keep the ten and all these other rules around it because they wanted the Messiah to come. And so because it says thou shalt not work, now they begin to define what work is. So you go to Israel today and on the Sabbath you get into a, a lift. No one's allowed to push a button because that would be considered work. So now you get into the lift and it goes every single floor. Tough on you if you're on the top floor. <laughs> All of this because they don't want to work. They don't want to break the, the rules, the Ten Commandments and obviously the rules of the Sabbath. So what does Jesus do? On the Sabbath, he spits. Uh-oh. Oh. Shouldn't do that. And then he begins to work with the mud. Therefore, they come to the conclusion Jesus must be a sinner. He can't be a righteous person because a righteous person wouldn't break the laws of the Sabbath. But they weren't God's laws. They were man-made laws. In their religious fervor, they added things, man's expectation, on top of, beyond. Not actually what God wanted, but what they interpret as what God would want. Okay, verse 14. So the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. That's a pretty simple explanation. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner 
do such a miraculous signs. So they were divided. Hmm. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Oh, these acts are struggling, eh? The man replied, he is a prophet. Hey, what's just happened? You, when they first asked the blind man, or the previously blind man, he said, the man, Jesus. And now, his understanding, his revelation, he says, no, he's a prophet. Okay, Old Testament thinking, only prophets were anointed with the Spirit of God to do the miraculous. So there was Old Testament, Old Covenant thinking. If you did a miracle, then you were a prophet. Because only prophets could do that sort of thing. Hallelujah, we live in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, and He's poured out His Spirit on all flesh. Yeah, But in those days, it was only select people who could do that. So he's kind of like the conclusion, well, it's a miracle, and then it must, he must be a prophet. Now the Jews still don't believe that he had been blind <laughs> and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Come on, this is ridiculous, yeah? The parents. Ooh, talk about a political answer. Mm. Yep, we know he's our son. I mean, just look at the ears, the nose. Mm, he's our son. No denying that. And we know he was born blind. Yep. Yeah. He's been a burden on us all these years. We know he's been blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Now we get the reason why they had that answer. Verse 22, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So Jesus had been going around doing miracles, signs, and wonders. When it says the Jews here in capital, it's referring collectively to the leadership of the Jewish people. All right? And so the religious leaders were jealous of what Jesus was doing. And they were saying, listen, if anybody's going to follow this guy, Jesus, then he's actually not one of us. So then you will not be able to come and be part of worship and part of the synagogue. And it wasn't just because they wanted to sit there and you know, read the scrolls and sing hymns and so on. But it opened up all kinds of social interaction and activity because you're a member of the synagogue. So there's a place of privilege in the community in which they lived. And so to to be ostracized, to be, um, in a sense, excommunicated from being part of the synagogue was a huge deal. Talk about cancel culture. Gosh, you paid for it. Yeah? I was going to say it was as though you'd gone Rogan on them. Anyway, verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. It's like a phrase for, for goodness sake, tell us the truth this time around, eh? Genuine, we want the truth, okay? Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Talk about a leading question. Talk about 
trying to put words in the mouth of this guy. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I can't argue with that, eh, chaps? Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, now he's really rubbing their noses in it, eh? Then they hurled insults at him, and they said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And now you're going to see something in terms of the spiritual eyesight that was released to this guy. You see, it wasn't just he's receiving sight in the natural. He's receiving sight in the spiritual. Remember Jesus saying, I'm the light. He's bringing light into darkness. And he's demonstrating it in the natural and he's demonstrating it in the supernatural, in the spiritual. So this guy is now with the people who should be spiritually able to see, but they're blind. And the guy who was physically blind, who shouldn't be able to see what's going on, let me tell you why I say that. If you um, foster, well, let, let me read this and then I'll, I'll explain. The man answered, because the Pharisees, the Jewish people said, Hey, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. He's, he, he can, yeah, the tone, right? A little bit of sarcasm there. Uh, now that's remarkable. You don't know where this guy comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And no one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Ooh. He's just given them a big spiritual lesson. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And then they threw him out. What's going on? Remember from the opening verses, the disciples say, Jesus, this guy that's blind, who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? And Jesus said, neither. This is so that the glory of God may be seen. Remember that? Okay. And the, the, the Jewish leaders, they're saying, hey, how can you lecture us? You were steeped in sin at birth. See the link? According to Jewish tradition, if you were crippled, if you were blind, it was because God was putting a curse on you. There was some sin either in your life or in your parents' life, and so it was the consequences of sin. You were cursed, and that's why... You were blind. So you were steeped in sin at birth. You cannot lecture us. You're a filthy, rotten sinner. We are the righteous ones. Don't tell us what's going on here in the spirit realm, is what the, the Jewish leaders were saying. The disciples were trying to figure out, because they are also learning theology. As they're walking with Jesus, they work, they're, they're learning the things of God. And so they, they're going through a reprogramming, being transformed by the renewing of their minds. They're getting a reprogramming in how does God work. Hey God, Jesus, like who sinned here? And Jesus says, no ways. Wrong thinking, 
This is just an opportunity for the glory of God to come through. Hey, this war in Ukraine, who's at fault? Well, it depends if you're following mainstream media narrative or if you're listening to other sources of information, you're going to have very different reasons as to why they're fighting a war. These are not the biolabs you are looking for. In fact, the biolabs never existed. We just removed the web pages off the internet. These are not the human trafficking rings you're looking for. The number one country for human trafficking. This is not what you're looking for. But you knew that. So regardless of whose side you're wanting to take, and I'm not saying we need to take sides, the point is the glory of the Lord will be known even as the waters cover the sea, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the planet. In darkness, light shines. This war, did God bring it? No. But in it, the glory of God will be seen. Are you tracking? There's going to be a crisis. There's been in the past, the crisis now, there'll be more crises in the future. Why? So that the glory can be seen. Mm-hmm. So the disciples, they're trying to get this reprogramming thing like, hey, who's sinned here? And, and Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to see, I don't want you to be blind. I don't want you to judge according to humans' ways of thinking and judging about things or religious ways of thinking and judging about things. I want you to see. Because otherwise you'll be just as blind as this blind man. So this guy who's blind, people thought maybe he, he sinned in the womb. You see, he must have sinned in the womb. That's why he was born blind. So is it his fault? Or maybe he pre-existed in another life somehow, somewhere, and he, he was a bad lad back then. And Jesus just putting a line through that immediately. That's nonsense. You didn't pre-exist. So put away your scrolls. You didn't pre-exist. And if that went over your head, hallelujah, that's fine. And it's not because your parents sinned. So let's not, let's not get into all kinds of crazy things. It's like the reason you've got sugar diabetes is because your grandfather was a Freemason. Let's just put all that stuff aside. Jesus is very quick to just like sort of these things out. And if that went over your head, hallelujah, let it go as well. So this thing of association of being blind and, and being a sinner, well, he came to save sinners. The religious guys, they were thinking that they were on God's side. Well, you must have sinned, therefore you're blind. In fact, we are going to so identify with God on this. We're going to join God in heaping judgment and condemnation on you. In fact, you are so bad, you are cursed, we spit on you. And the people of the day would spit on blind people to show that they were righteous. And they were joining God in his judgment on you filthy, rotten sinner, you, you blind thing, you and would spit on them. That was the culture of the day. So what does Jesus do? <laughs> he steps in. And he takes the very thing that's been the symbol of curse and judgment and then he makes some mud 
And he takes the thing that was the very source of rejection, judgment, cursing. And that sound is so redeemed, it becomes the sound of his freedom. And Jesus heals the heart, the rejection, the pain. And he heals the eyes. He can see. We're going to see in a moment, he heals the heart. He can really see. You are the anointed one. He could truly see. It wasn't just he had a healing of his eyesight. But he had healing of his spiritual sight. See, Jesus was doing something in the natural, but more important, he was doing something in the spirit realm as well. And he was contrasting. If you are religious and if you're trying to do things in your own strength with man's rules and regulations, you're going to come up short. You're going to continue to be in darkness. It was as though you were blind. And so he comes in on the Sabbath to deliberately strip away all of the pretenses of what you can do in your own strength. And the creator comes and does a creative miracle. And he comes and does it on his day off. So Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, you see Jesus went looking for him. Come on. Jesus didn't bump into him by accident. Jesus led by the Spirit. Words of knowledge. He would know where to go. He was at the right place at the right time. Lisa and I just happened to be at the airport yesterday at exactly the same time that other family members we hadn't seen in years just happened to be checking in. And we happened to stand behind them. And even with their masks on, we could still recognize them. And it was a God-ordained thing. That's phenomenal. God orders our steps to the second. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. It's about the heart. Jesus said, you have now seen him. <laughs> He's just restored his sight. He says, you've seen him. Are you getting how powerful this is? In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The Lord is really, really happy to heal our eyesight. And he does. And there have been many testimonies of blind eyes being opened. But he also removes that tag of you dirty rotten sinner. That we can actually see properly. Because when you're under this thing, you can't see properly. But when we come out from under this label, everything is different. Even the people you've grown up with, kind of like, are you the same person? Like, are you the beggar? Aren't you the beggar? I mean, it's kind of like you've got the same clothes, but are you impersonating him or what's going on here? Something changes. And because something changes deep in the inner part of our being, He gives us the ability to see in the realms of the Spirit. So we're no longer in darkness, but we're in light. Because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Oh my goodness. Now we can see what He's doing. 
So now we don't get upset if there's a war in another part of the planet. We pray, but we don't come under it. We don't allow the circumstances of what's going on in the natural realm to dictate to us as to what we can really see. Because he's giving us eyes to see. Do you see? Okay. Let's stand. So why don't we put our hands over our eyes just as a symbolic prophetic action. And while we're doing it, if any of you have got eyesight issues, why don't we just say, Lord, would you release healing now? Would you heal eyes? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Touch eyes that are battling to focus and yeah, battling to see you. Those color blindness be healed in Jesus' name. Depth perception healed in Jesus' name. Short-sightedness, far-sightedness be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But Lord, we're asking more than that. Would you heal the eyes of our heart? That we would see what you see. That we would see your light breaking forth into this dark world. That we would recognize what you are doing. That we would partner, we would co-labor with heaven. That we would speak what you are saying. We would not speak the curses of man over a situation, over our nation, over our city, over our family, over our finances, over our health, over our future, whatever it may be. We wouldn't join with the falsehoods and speak lies and condemnation. But help us to see what you're doing, to see what you see, and then to speak and to declare accordingly. Lord, open our eyes to see. Cause your light to increase in ever-increasing measure in our hearts and our minds. And help us, Lord, to be carriers of light Monday morning. Hallelujah. So I bless you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. I bless you with His peace. I bless you with His protection. I bless you with His provision. I bless you with His joy. I bless you with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you, Don.